0: That's why we get stuck, because we, we pr- imprison ourselves in our own minds. That's what stuckness is. And you got to get out of that. In some ways, we are a completely dependent society. We are, we are not taking care of ourselves and our neighbors and our, our community in a way that I know we have the potential to do. Hey there. You're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over, either through their own missteps or through no fault of their own. All walks of life. Anonymous or named, high-profile or low-down, stories with heart,
1: soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a
0: positive way. Now, here's your host, Tracy Winchell.
1: Are you stuck, scared, frustrated in the workplace? Sounds like you're in the same place I was a few years ago. Scared to death that the freedom of entrepreneurship was a lot more unstable than traditional work. Listen up. Reboots episode R013 with Stephen Worley is going to give you some specific action steps toward that reboot that you want but think isn't feasible. And you are going to want to take notes on this one. If at all possible, grab a pen and a notebook or even your phone if you're taking a walk. In newsrooms across the United States, election days are like fusing every big world sporting event with Christmas and the 4th of July. Election day coverage is nerve-wracking, exciting, tedious, stressful, exhilarating, and exhausting. Well, for Stephen, a former broadcaster, Election Day 2000 represents his Liberation Day because that's the day he got word corporate America didn't need him anymore. He was laid off. Today, through lifeskillsthatmatter.com, Stephen's mission is to help people who are stuck in their life's works as he was for a while. We're going to talk with Stephen about the most important life skill that's not taught in school, the process of changing the way we see ourselves and the workplace, and Stephen also flips fear on its head and explains the inherent risks involved with waiting for someone else to feed us. Hey, Stephen, thank you very much for inviting us into your life. I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you so much for uh, providing me the opportunity to share it.
1: Well, here's a true story. I am a huge fan of your previous podcast, Unstuckable, and I'd kind of lost track of you. And originally, when I set to do my platform, I wanted my blog to be about knowing, sharing, and living our stories. And a friend of mine helped me come up with the Reboots podcast concept. And I finally figured out that instead of forcing my writing into a box, maybe I should just do what Stephen did (laughs) and learn from a ton of interviews and let my Reboots guests teach me what then needs to be written. So thank you.
0: Well, I'm glad you picked up on that cuz it, it it's so much fun. I mean, what a gift to like uh, I love being a student. That's how I view being a podcaster. Uh just because there's I I truly believe and I have. I've learned something from everybody. I really have.
1: Oh, I agree. And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that our listeners are going to learn something from you. So Let's just kind of dive in. Tell me something about you. What, what business activities are you doing now? Life skills that matter.
0: What does that mean? Life skills that matter. These are the skills that I think are never systematically taught to us, but they have everything to do with our happiness and our satisfaction. It's kind of crazy, right? Uh, for example, I think self-awareness is the most important life skill. I mean, it's the root, it is the mother of all, a mother, father, whatever you want, the the birther of all other life skills, soft skills, hard skills. Because if you don't know how to manage yourself, understand your potential, and manage your interactions with other people effectively, all those other skills are not going to be as optimized. You're not going to practice them as well as you could have, or you're going to get over-reliant on willpower, brute force, rather than feeling and the flow of your natural self
1: and self-awareness I consider to be something like knowing our stories. So I'm all about that self-awareness thing and I fail at it quite a bit, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Um, I want us to dive in a little bit later, um, on how, you become more self-aware and how you implement some of the the life skills that matter. But I want to talk about your reboot story. Um, was it- and, be,
0: and before we jump into that, could I just finish a thought on life skills that matter? Because really, my mission, I see work is fundamentally changing in a way that we haven't seen since the Industrial Revolution, and I think most people are completely unaware that this is happening. And, not, and those of us who are aware are just trying to wrap our heads around of how to prepare this and how to prepare others for really thriving in this world where there might not be as much work as we know it, or it's going to look very differently. And how to really reframe our mindsets, and how do we best, you know, be our best selves with all of these new challenges? And that's really kind of what lights my fire. I've been, I, I was, you know, laid off 17 years ago. And the seed that was planted in my head because of that event, which this will be a good segue for your next question, is that there has to be another way of work than what I was taught because I feel so out of alignment with the way that I was taught to work. And I'm a person who's very motivated. I want to work. I enjoy it. I love creating. I love contributing. I love collaborating. But something was off for me about employment in a traditional corporation. And I want to answer that question.
1: Man, that is so big. I I live in a community where, you know, it's a big manufacturing town that in the last 15 or 20 years has been hit hard, and it is so difficult to move an entire community forward when there are so many individuals who feel lost in that way of work. So, man, we could go down that you know what it
0: is that's where I want to I was telling people I'm you're getting really excited now because and I will call myself out I think a lot of I I've lived in New England most of my life I lived in New York Boston and I live in Washington DC so yes I live in these quote unquote very blue urban centers but I I don't like to be I, I don't like labels and I like labeling myself so I hope people don't think of me as that but I also want to, and I was a sales trainer, and I traveled around the country all over the place, and I loved meeting all the different people that I had met because I realized that there's a there really is. I know this sounds corny, but there is a lot more in common amongst us all and what we want and how we want our lives our lives, our lives than than what makes us really different. And I'm throwing out a crazy idea here, Tracy, but it would be so much fun to come to your town one day to gather up a group of people to to really help them understand that they have so much potential, they have so much opportunity, nobody's ever just helped them break it down, understand it and reveal it to them. And that's what I think scares and frightens a lot of people. That's why people get stuck because they don't understand their potential, they don't see their options and they don't understand their possibilities. So we remain in place and then we wanna go backward to what we know, but unfortunately that's not working anymore.
1: Okay, I'm all over that. Uh, we'll definitely take this up in a conversation offline. I love that. Yeah, we need to make that happen.
0: We need you here. So my reboot story. Yes. <laughs> um, I do. Have, I was, you know, I had a specific moment because I, I love asking that question on my podcast. Like, when did you know, like, something was off? For some people, it's a series of moments. It's kind of a transformation. For me, there was a specific moment that led to a transformation, and that moment was uh, getting laid off on Election Day 2000, which I now refer to as my entrepreneurial birthday.
1: Oh, man.
0: It's the third most important day of my life after being born and getting married.
1: Look, I'm a broadcaster. I get how tough Election Day is. I've done many of those, and to get laid off on a day like that, oh, man, that's awful.
0: You were in broadcasting, too? Yeah,
1: yeah. Seven years, oh. broadcast journalists, getting paid poorly to do things mother told you never to do.
0: I was in broadcasting for 20 years myself. I did. I was on the content side, the production side, then I went over to the sales side to kind of uh, hopefully illuminate to broadcasters that they really needed to get into the digital world. Otherwise, they were going to suffer for it. And... Unfortunately, that's what's happening.
1: And you were right. So you get laid off on Election Day 2000.
0: Oh, mm. oh I get the heat. And thank you for doing me that favor, Corporate America. <laughs> <laughs> it's When people tell me they get laid off, I tell them, congratulations on your liberation. And they kind of like look at me. They're like, huh? Aren't you supposed to say you're sorry and you feel bad for me? And I'm like, eh, I don't it's just, just because that is the common narrative we've all been taught to say we're just to feel bad you know, how this this system wronged you and it's just like we have we all have choices over everything that we do in our lives and we need to wake up to that fact again
1: that happened to me 2 years ago this month so yeah we're we're
0: congratulations we're, on your liberation
1: i know right yeah okay so that was your your forced reboot it was a moment in time huh
0: Yeah. And that led to a five years of what I now in hindsight, look back as kind of my stuck, my deeply stuck moment. But also I want to, and I think sometimes when we use the word stuck, people immediately think of a negative connotation. And I would like to kind of uh, be an advocate for a positive uh, uh, kind of version of what being stuck is all about. When you're stuck, you know, the path that you've been going down is no longer an option. But the path forward is very unclear. You don't know how to go forward. So you kind of remain in place. You're stuck. And what I did to finally get myself unstuck or through that period is really just learn a lot about myself, try a lot of different things, meet a lot of different people and just go on that journey. I mean, I went to business school. I I did a lot of experiments as with freelancing and consulting and writing and creating all these things that I was previously afraid to do because I was taught to be an employee. You know, my parents were blue collar workers. Like, that's what you do. You go to college, you get a job and you're going to be fine for the rest of your life. That story does not work out for most people anymore. And it took me five years, Tracy, to accept that I was going to be working for myself. You know, even through that five period, I was still trying to look for jobs. And But it, it slowly but surely, as I got more and more comfortable with those entrepreneurial experiences, I said, hold on a second. Like, when I can create my own income system, it's more flexible, more adaptable to changes in the economy than any company that I can go back and work for. And I get to design it myself, and I can have it forever. Why do I want to go back to somebody else's system and be dependent on it?
1: And I've heard you uh, share this example on a previous podcast, uh, on several times on on some of your podcasts, uh, the tiger in the cage. Yeah.
0: So this is this is a fun story. I forget who told me. But the idea that you are a tiger, a lion, you're this caged animal and you're in a zoo. Right. Imagine the last time any of you have gone to a zoo. It's very cute. You see all these these scary animals, the cute animals. But where are they getting their food? The human beings come along certain times of the day and they give them their food. They just come very complacent. I mean, these animals are not themselves. These are not how they act in the wild. But then there's their, their, their cousins there's some of their brothers and sisters who are lucky enough not to get caught. And they're still out there in the wild hunting and finding their own food every single day. And they're really sharpening and honing their hunting skills all the time. And they are able to get their own food whenever they need it, whenever they want it. But those caged animals, they are completely dependent on the system that they're in. And the food has to be brought to them. And that is their only choice. So, the analogy i I liked using this as an analogy because I felt like, as an employee, I was that cage animal that 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 steady paycheck was the food that was brought to me or dumped into my bank account, you know every other week and and somebody said, "This is all we're giving you. that's it, no matter how much better or worse you did this week and the more that I've been able to you know as I grew more comfortable working for myself, I love the idea that. I can make as much money or as little money as I want based on the needs of my life at any given time. And being out here outside of a company, it really forces me to almost kind of be permanently looking for work, permanently looking for income. So that makes me constantly be building and developing my network. That makes makes me constantly conscious of finding new skills, developing my existing skills further. That is making me constantly look out for new opportunities, new obstacles to be aware of in the economy, and how I'm going to respond to them and prepare for them. Because when you think about it, we all think employment is so secure and it's so safe, but it's actually shielding you from a lot of risk. And then the moment you get fired, the moment you lose your job, you're laid off, all of a sudden all of that risk that you were shielded from gets piled onto you in in an instant, in one day, you are cut off from all of your income and and all of a sudden, you realize, oh, my gosh, I really don't know anybody outside of my company. How way am I going to find a job or other opportunities somewhere else? My skills are kind of out of date because I was kind of complacent. I was floating along in my job. And then all of a sudden, this industry has really changed a lot. I mean, think about it. you and I came out of broadcasting. If you want to be a broadcast journalist today, you should know how to set up your own website. You should know how to podcast. You should know how to shoot your and edit your own video. Like that is not going to be done for you anymore.
1: As you as you talk, I'm hearing the voices of a dozen people in my life who are extremely dissatisfied with their work because of the the changing climate. And many of them are in their fifties. Many of them are not even 30 yet. And they're saying, gosh, Stephen, how cool that You had five years to sort of figure it out. I don't have that kind of time. And I know you have a rebuttal for that. So speak some truth into their life.
0: (laughs) Number one, I will tell you whatever I went through that experience so you can do it more productively. That's number one. That's why I do what I do today because I've learned a lot about what gets people stuck and what gets people unstuck. And how do you? guide somebody to go from an employee mindset to a self-employed mindset. Because Tracy, it's not just about work. Going from being an employee to a self-employed, it's actually a transformation of your identity. But people don't think of it that way because it's a lifestyle. I think about money and time and energy and how I deal with people in my own identity, a completely different way than I was working when I was working for somebody else. That is number one. Number two, there are two types of stresses that you're going to face in your life. You're going to face this stress. You have no, that's that's one thing you don't have a choice in this matter. You are going to face stress, but you get to choose your stress. You get to choose the stress of a lifetime of familiarity, but it's making you miserable and it's only going to get worse as our economic system continues to transform as it exits the 20th century industrial system and moves into the 21st century creative problem solving system. Or you could spend Three months, two months, two years, five years—figuring it out like I did to create your own longer-lasting system for the rest of your life—and be stressed out. And but I look at that stress as positive stress because you are growing, even though there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. You are going to grow. You are going to know yourself in a way that you've never known yourself before, and be excited about opportunities that you never could have imagined that you could have done. So you have a choice. You're going to be stressed out. We all are. But do you want to do you want stress for a handful of years and then you can really kind of have a better opportunity of controlling your income for the, for the, the duration of your life? Or do you want to be dependent? Do you want to be that caged animal who is just constantly going to be stressed out, hoping that the system is going to give them another meal?
1: Oh, my goodness. Wow. Am I
0: getting too radical?
1: No, <laughs> no. And, I, and I'll tell you.
0: And uh, I do this from a place of love, people. I mean, I have seen a lot. You know what I mean? And and it it doesn't have to be this way. I it, and I think somebody once told me like that I've been on the side of the system so long, I just have a greater clarity when I can actually see people in pain that is completely avoidable.
1: Yeah, and what you and I are basically talking about. I mean, the, the show's called Reboots, and and I I have. I can go back to about five years worth of journaling and and see that I have been intrigued at least that long about how to have my own um, portfolio life um, with a blog. Um, and then when I saw podcasts come along, I'm like, I could do that, you know? And, and yet I never had the courage to, to do that. And I see those breadcrumbs pointing me to where I am now. And I was, my reboot was forced, coming from a lot of different ways. But then I made some choices to do some additional reboots um, that get me to the place where I can finally, and and from a faith and a spiritual side, for me, this podcast is about obedience. It's, And I fought it for a long time. And so what you're telling us and telling the people who are stressed out is that a reboot is coming. You can either choose it and choose and have some impact over your timing or you can be a victim of it, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, we we now live in an economy where we all know somebody who has been laid off, lost their job in some way, fired in the last two years. We all know somebody, maybe several times. And we also know probably at least one person who's just completely so stuck, they're paralyzed and we just feel sorry for them. We don't even know what we can do for them anymore. And again, it doesn't have to be like this because the this is, I, I mean, I, I'm working on a book, Tracy, because I want to crystallize all this information. in something very clear, plain English to help people understand that one of the things that I want to educate people on is that the, what we think of work as we know it has not always existed. It's actually been very temporary of what we all think work is, this idea of leaving your house, going, being, having a large organization, whether a nonprofit uh, corporation or government asking you to perform a specific skill, they give you money in return. That concept is really, it started maybe a couple of hundred years ago and has been really refined um, in the last century. And people also say peak jobs, as we know, it, this this form of work, as you know, occurred actually, believe it or not, in the late 70s. And it's been declining ever since. And we don't like it. <laughs> we are very uncomfortable with this. And this is the other thing that's fascinating to me, uh, Tracy, that as miserable as the, sy- the system is for making us, we just as humans, we love familiarity. We We prefer familiar misery over the possibility of uncertainty.
1: Man, you're so passionate about all of this stuff and helping other people. Can you point back to when you were younger that says, oh yeah, this is totally me?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny now that you 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 always have, it's a clearer picture when you're looking back than when you're living it, right? And I think it was always there. I mean, I would say I was probably a very closeted entrepreneur, you know? And I was living in an environment where that wasn't encouraged, and it's not encouraged in most places in America, it, it, which just blows my mind. America is supposed to be all about capitalism and independence, and you know, and t- taking care of yourself, taking care of your community. But in some ways, we are a completely dependent society. We are we are not taking care of ourselves and our neighbors and our, our community in a way that I know we have the potential to do. And I think looking back. I did have a tendency like I, as soon as I was able to start working, there was something called a job bank in our town. So you were able, you were eligible to participate in that when you were 14 years old. I grew up in Connecticut and you couldn't get a job until you were 16 legally, which again is also kind of crazy. I know there's child labor laws and there's a whole reason why (laughs) that's a good thing. But nowadays I, I kind of think it's a good thing that you work or understand what work is like as early as possible. So I think I always had that that drive that motivation to want to earn my own income and to go learn new things. My parents did not have to hound me to do this. So I've been working since I was 14, which by the way, Tracy, for any of your more your younger listeners, that's kind of like one of my litmus tests to kind of figure out wh- who, what kind of person am I dealing with here in, the, in terms of their openness to work for themselves. Um, when people tell me that they have, they, they have not worked um, until they were the age of 22, if that's when they had their very first job, that makes me nervous.
1: Yeah. Because that means
0: they have not had as much time to really just do all the basics of what work is like, just something as dealing with other people and dealing with money and paychecks. And uh, I often find the people that I connect with the most or I'm most connected with are those who do have a job much earlier than that.
1: That blows my mind. I mean – I, I've spent all but sixteen months, three weeks and four days of my life in Arkansas. And um, you know, it's still very much a an agricultural um uh mindset. And so um
0: you know Which sp- is very entrepreneurial, yeah. everybody by the way. I, you need to bring absolutely. back entrepreneurial farmers.
1: Yes. <laughs> I started my first job when I was fourteen. I was a talking Christmas tree in the mall in Little Rock. Seriously, that's fun. I know, right? But yeah, you 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 start to work. Um, you know, my mom uh, came from a family of sharecroppers. So as soon as she was old enough to hold a hoe, man, you know, she and her five brothers and sisters they were after it. So you're right.
0: Well, it's just life. That's why I, I it hit me on a lot. We need to teach people the life skills that matter. You know, they, 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 these things, these basic things about motivation and persistence and resilience and how to deal with others and empathy and understanding yourself and self-awareness. And I know they can't easily be tested and quantified, but these are crucial and they're becoming what's happening is not only are they just crucial right now, but the way the economy is going, it's we're we're at least if you believe in and I do buy into a lot of the where the experts see things going. Automation is going to reduce more and more of the routine work. Uh, We see this with farms already. I mean, they used to take—I forget how many acres a single farmer, a single individual can now cultivate compared to even just 20 years ago. It's an astonishing amount of acreage because of technology. So when I when I started, for as an example, when I started my business in 2008, uh, we hired a lawyer. We paid her about 2,500 bucks to set up the business. You know the legal entity, file with the state, et cetera. And then a couple of years ago, or I'm sorry, actually last year when I set up my business in Virginia, because we moved, I spent 150 bucks. I just filed through a website called IncFile online. They did it all for me. Everything that a lawyer would have done previously. Now, having said that, I do believe when you are starting a business, it is a good idea to talk to a lawyer, just to have legal counsel. There's always a gray area, but that's where, and that's, what's really happening to work. That uh, automation is going to free people up from the mundane and monotonous work so they can then focus on the more complex, problem-solving, less uh, clear work where human attention is really needed. To me, that's exciting. I think a lot of times people think of automation as this doom and gloom. It's going to take all of our jobs. But it's actually a lot of the jobs that most of us don't even want to do anyway. So why is that a bad thing? And there's all this automation that we could be bringing into our own lives so we can be working for ourselves. I think a lot of times, Tracy, people get intimidated by working for themselves because they think of all the stuff that they have to do. But as you get into this, like I have and you are, you will realize that there's more and more tools out there that can do more of that heavy lifting, take it off your plate and help you run your business so you're not doing it all by yourself.
1: Okay. You and I have convinced someone listening to – take some next steps. Let's um walk them through what's going on in their head which is what happens if I fail.
0: Right. I mean, and let's let's talk this a little bit about the science of failure. I've read a ton of books on the brain and Seth Godin knows talks about the lizard brain. There is part of your brain that is the oldest part of your brain that is just runs on instinct and is designed to protect you. You know, when you had a close call with a saber-toothed tiger. Um, your brain wanted you to remember that, so you would run the next time you saw that thing, <laughs> right? And that still happens in modern society. We have that flight-or-flight flight response. I'm sure many of you have heard of that before in some time of your life, that there's this gut reaction, this instinctual reaction that you have. And a lot of times we when, it, when we bring this into my life, this fear of failure means that People, if I create something and I show it to other people, they're going to make fun of me. They are going to laugh at me. They're going to tell me everything that's wrong with it. So that's that that lizard brain telling you everything that's going to go wrong. You shouldn't do this. You should do the safe and steady thing. You already know what works. Let's go back to your job. And to put a positive spin on this, that lizard brain or those negative thoughts or that fear of of, uh, taking a leap of faith or being obsessed with being perfect, is actually your brain is trying to protect you. It's protecting you from danger. But we have to be aware that this is happening so we can override it. And that's the trick I've learned, Tracy, of how do you hack your brain, is the more awareness that you bring, like, okay, I know my brain is doing this and kind of being more detached, but now I say, okay, I need to stop. And now I am going to go forward and do this other thing. Another strategy I'd like to tell people a lot of times when they're afraid of having something that's not too perfect or they're afraid that they're going to fail, I tell them just to do an experiment. I think sometimes people overcommit, like the idea that people will spend, I don't know, $150,000 on a, a law degree, go there for three years and they've never set foot in a courtroom or they've never like hung out, of, maybe even was a paralegal in a law office just to experience what it's like to be a lawyer, to do it as an experiment before you make this huge commitment. So many people leave law school in debt, a whole chunk of their life that they spent on this, and they don't even end up becoming a lawyer because they're like, oh, after all, I don't like it. (laughs) That seems crazy to me. So I think the way to conquer fear in a more productive way is to say, hey, I'm just going to do an experiment. I'm just going to see what happens and I'm going to learn from it. So that way I get to that place at the end of the experiment. Either I want to go forward Or I'm going to make some changes and take another step and do another experiment. And that's how I keep moving forward in the face of fear and uncertainty.
1: Man, that's really good advice. And then and then when when we pair that experimentation with a couple of other things, and I'm going to throw both of these out there and and pick which one you want first, um, when we when we practice our self-awareness muscle, which is to write, and then when we find a community of people who will actually support us through our experimentation. Man, now you've kind of got something cooking there. So take one of those and run with it.
0: Yeah, I, but it's also, it's just, they work so well together, right? I, what, and I love that you've brought up this idea of writing and journaling a couple of times in our conversation. I believe that that is probably the most effective method to practice self-awareness. What self-awareness from a practical standpoint of, it's really tracking behaviors, thoughts, and common things that I tell people, if they don't know what to track first. I say, well, just be aware of your reactions, your, your snap reactions, those really strong reactions, whether they're positive or negative, just for a day. You know, like when you're driving along and you instantly honk on the horn because somebody cut you off. Like that is a, a snap reaction. You want to realize that you just did that. And then the next step is to start saying, why did I do that? Because that's where we want to start digging into where did that behavior come from? Why? I mean, there's lots of choices of how I could react to that moment. Why did I choose that one? What are, what are my other options and what might be more productive ones? What might be less stressful ones? So that is, um, an important thing to be monitoring. And I always tell people, a lot of times people, I think, you know, Tracy words like journaling or meditation, they have a lot of baggage. Like there's somebody listening right now and the walls went up, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and what, the, to break down those walls, I just tell people it doesn't have to be fancy. You're not like some teenage girl who's like pouring her heart out and writing five pages every single day. You know, it doesn't have to be like that for some people they love free writing and that's great. But for like, I, I think I tend skew, I like to be a little bit more, um, how do I say it? a little bit more practical. So there's times when I know I'm having a lot of negative feelings and thoughts, I will recognize that this is happening. And then I whip out an Excel spreadsheet and I have all these different columns where I write down what was the thought, who was it about, or where was I, who was it, where, who was I with when I had that thought? Where did I have it? What time of day did I have it? What do I think triggered it? And then I do that for like a week. And then at the end of the week, I go back and I look for patterns. So that way I can say, gosh, there is these certain thoughts that keep popping up. Like, what can I do about them? Obviously, they're on my mind, which is going to affect all of my other reactions they are going to affect my behavior, my mood, my ability to maximize my productivity. So that way, sometimes it might be like, you know what, I just need to have a conversation with this person or... Another instance, I might need just to reframe my mindset about this. There might be another way of looking at this. Why am I getting so upset about this? It seems to, I'm wasting more time thinking about this than actually just looking at this in a different way or just doing it and getting it done. So, and and one final example is I would tell people to, at least at the end of the day, write down what your most positive feeling was for the day that kept coming up for you. And what was your strongest negative feeling for the day and why that keep coming up for you? And why you why I believe journaling or writing or tracking your thoughts, behaviors, being more aware of your habits, your reactions, that helps you to start really learning about yourself in a very deep way. And that's going to help you start realizing how are you holding yourself back? What are those limiting beliefs? What are those stories that you've kept telling yourself over and over again that aren't helping you move forward? The ones that are saying, I have to, you know, a job means security. Well, that's only, that's one version of security. You know, to me, that sounds like a nightmare now. You know, I mean, I think mm. security is having the ability to cultivate skills where I can make money all the time whenever I need it. And I think a lot of times in theory, people will be like, yeah, that does sound like a good idea, but it does take time to build. And I think that's where people get gummed up.
1: Man, that is so good, Stephen. And you have a resource on your website. I'll link to it in the show notes about how to get started with, um, the self-awareness and, uh, through journaling. It is incredible. Now let's, uh, have a look at, at that next component of community. And I know you, uh, are an advocate of masterminds. Um, how, how does one build a brand new community based on where you want to go with your life versus where you are and how does that impact our existing communities?
0: Once again, I mean, I'm reading too much of these brain books and too. Much, and I was a history guy, so I love going back and saying like, "What's going on? Where did this all come from?" Again, humans are we evolved to work together, not alone. That's why we are so successful. That's why we dominate this planet. You know, because we are pretty fragile otherwise. <laughs> you know, what I mean, we're not very large um, compared to a lot of other animals. We don't have scary teeth or scary claws, and it takes like. Uh, you know, at least 15 years before um, uh, a human can provide for itself, you know, a little longer than nowadays in modern life. So, this idea, it's so important to realize that you need help. You need to work with other people. And your mother was right. You are the company you keep. You know, I know moms, you're very frustrated at some point in your life, but that thing she was right about. So, if you want to lose weight, you should hang around other people who are trying to eat healthier or have a healthier lifestyle or exercising more. If you want to save more money, you need to hang around with people who are a little bit more frugal. You need to hang around with people who are budgeting or are interested in investing. So this idea is that you are a mirror of the people that surround you. It's like, I know this is an an over quoted quote, but I'm gonna do it Tracy. The Jim Rohn quote where you are, um, the average of the five people that you hang out the most with. So you should really think about who are the five people that you hang out with the most. So this idea that if all of a sudden I tell people, Tracy, that if you have this idea of like, you know what? I want to work for myself. I want to become self-employed. But if you realize that all you're hanging around with are people who are employed all the time, that one factor is going to dramatically reduce your chances of success. I'm not saying that it can't happen and people do do it, but it's going to take a lot more effort, a lot more energy, a lot more brute force to break free from that mindset because you're hanging around those employee people all the time who are and, and you're part of that tribe and they're going to be like, why well, you want to do that? You're going to fail. This is going to work. You're just going to end up getting a job again. They, because they're afraid you're kind of breaking the code of the tribe to saying, hey, listen, what's wrong with what's wrong with you? Like it's not getting a job is not good enough anymore. Right. So you have to seek out other people. I and mean, it's never been easier because of on, the online communities. There's a Facebook group for all different types of self-employed people. People, you got to hang around with people who get where you want to go, who get what you're doing who get what you're going through. So you have that support. You can hear the language. You can have it reflected back to you because that's going to boost your confidence. It's going to sustain your motivation and and increase your persistence because this is hard. To make that type of a shift, it's hard. You need to be around people who are doing it.
1: Life Skills That Matter has its own mastermind group and I haven't signed up yet, but I'm gonna. So tell me a little bit about how that works.
0: The very specific goal of that is I think A lot of times there's all kinds of Facebook groups where they're not very engaged, not very involved, or people love to jump into these groups just to complain about like, this is so hard and they want to whine a lot. One of my rules in my mastermind is there is no complaining. There is no making excuses or blaming because it's wasted effort. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of your energy. You have to that is an option to react to something is to complain. But if you remove that option, you have to start looking for other options that will help you move forward. See where I'm going with people, isn't that a more productive use of your time and energy, right? So, I want very simply to provide a place where people can come in. And uh, every Sunday, the idea was that people would say, This is what I'm working on this week. This is how I feel like I'm a little challenged or I need some help. And other people can contribute and share what it is. You know, it's almost having like all these different on demand consultants working for you but for free about how to keep moving you forward and that's the beauty of something like a mastermind group these are people who are going through it with you there are a few steps ahead there are a few steps behind and they can come up with other ideas another way of looking at things and tracy i can't tell you how many times i've gotten stuck with a work problem and now i've gotten so much better reaching out jumping into my masterminds or i call them i also have my council of life advisors kind of my mentors so that way, when I do feel stuck, I immediately jump on the phone and I get on email, social media, and I reach out. I'm like, this is what I'm stuck on. Any ideas? And I get so much awesome insight back. Even if somebody doesn't have a specific answer to my problem, it gets me thinking in a different way to arrive at a different solution.
1: Well, I know that you are in a mastermind group with a, with a previous guest and-
0: Mr. Zach Sexton. Yeah.
1: Zach says, I love this quote, only I don't feel like you're Xanax, honestly. I, I feel like um maybe you've you juiced me up on caffeine. But here's a quote. Uh, Stephen Worley is my entrepreneurial Xanax. I can and have come to him in total freakout mode. Minutes later, I'm not only calm, I'm energized. He has a special way of showing you... How to see the opportunity, remember your deeper purpose, and pull the lessons out of disappointments. I don't see you getting disappointed very
0: often sir i do I do get disappointed um well, how do you, what do you mean by that explain go a little deeper
1: you're you're upbeat um you're so energetic um and and I think where I'm diving into this is that we get into that pitfall of comparison where we see Stephen Worley as always upbeat, and I know you know he's not all the time exactly,
0: and I'm glad you bring it because I don't want to like say like this is all rainbows and unicorns because it's not. I mean, there's a lot of i what I've done is I've been like, you remember, I was stuck for five years. And 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 even after that, previous to Life Skills That Matter, even during Unstuckable, I went into a depression for the first time in my life. And I write about all the different sources, how that happened. What I've gotten better at, Tracy, is knowing, recognizing when it's happening to me and that I can do something about it and I start doing something about it. And sometimes it still sits with you, but at least I know how to lean into it more. So, for example, back to your idea of your your... Your question before about how to deal with fear, how to deal with that perfectionism. A lot of times that paralyzes people, so they do nothing. Now, when that happens to me, I have well-developed habits every day. Like my two core habits every day are to create content and to connect with other people. And when I'm feeling really stuck or I feel like the negativity is starting to set in, that's when I know I have to go into habit mode and and not think and just go like, all right, Stephen, you have to go reach out to people' You have to go, um, you know, work on this video. You have to go write a blog. I kind—I lean into my habits. That's how I muddle through the uncertainty uh, because I'm a big believer in constantly taking some sort of action and interacting with the world, interacting with others, because that's what's going to get you out of your funk and get you out of your head. That's why we get stuck, because we we pr- imprison ourselves in our own minds. That's what stuckness is. And you got to get out of that. And to your point, it's, it's writing. It's hanging with other people. It's doing these experiments. That's how we start coming out of that. And we don't get so paralyzed by that fear. That's how I can snap myself out of disappointment. I mean, I'm going to have it just as much as anybody else. But I'm better at getting out of it more, more quickly than other people are.
1: I want to respect your time. We're, we're almost out of, out of time. But I have three questions that I want to ask you. And one is about... Um, your philosophy on addition through uh, subtraction. Um, that is so brilliant. You know, we talk all the time about uh, experiment, try one one thing for a week or a month. But, oh, my goodness, making a list of the things that we don't like about ourselves and saying, I'm just going to quit doing one of those things for a week.
0: Well, you're talking about my whole purging strategy, my love affair with purging. Yes. <laughs> So for anybody who's like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life, I don't don't know what my purpose is, I never felt like I had a passion. Uh, If you can link to this, Tracy, because it's all about purging your life. Because in America, we think every time something's wrong or we want to make a change, we add something to our lives. We are horrible at subtracting stuff. We don't take anything out just because you something is simple. Every time I get a new shirt in my closet, that means I have to remove one shirt. So it's always staying the same. Most people, you can't even walk in your closet anymore because you never get rid of anything. So what, when you we'll, we'll just take possessions. For example, when you start looking even at your home office or you look at your bedroom, when you get rid of everything that you have not used in the last year and you know, you're not going to use or it does not bring any joy or excitement to you. And you're like, why am I hanging on to this anymore? Get rid of all that stuff. What remains behind is stuff that you really do like that does give you energy that does excite you. It's kind of like the tide is going out and then you can kind of see in the sea bottom. I'm like, Oh my gosh, here's the stuff. This is who I am. This is what I really like. You start to get to see yourself again. And I mean, there's, I, I, Tracy, this is one course I want to do one day. Sometimes I think it's a little bit of a risk, but this idea of systematically purging your life. I think a lot of times people talk about just doing your possessions, but I'm I'm about, you know, doing this with your relationships, doing this with your obligations, doing this with all of your digital content, your phone. This is about doing this with your mind and your thoughts. I mean, really cleaning all this stuff out. And one final thought, Tracy. A lot of times. We always think of our stomach as a digestive organ, but our brain is too. That's where all the information is coming into, except there's not as an easy mechanism mechanism for our brain to like poop out, you know, all the stuff that we don't <laughs> need anymore. So we have to be a little bit more proactive about it. And that's why you got a journal. You got to be self-aware so you can constantly be cleaning out your mind. And as you get older, the works just get even more gummed up because you just have so many more experiences going on out up there.
1: Man, that's so, so good. All right, next to the last question, the redemption in your suffering what good in your life exists today but for that moment on election day two thousand when the corporate world said, "You're out of here stephen
0: i I mean I, I will rattle off just a cu- couple quick examples what it, I think a lot of times when people try to quote unquote, sell people on this lifestyle or why you want to work for yourself. They always do it around money. And I know that's really important. I know that it's a very pragmatic, black and white, tangible thing to say, I made, you know, $50,000 a month in six months leaving my job and you can too. But really for me, the redemption is that it's allowed me to control my life and live it deeply in a ways that I couldn't have done with a job. For example, at the time that I met my wife, I was living in Boston. She was living in Pittsburgh. We met at a a wedding in New Hampshire. I had been working for myself for a while. I had recently gone to Spain for four months, and I got used to the idea of working from somewhere, well, very far from my home. So we started dating long distance. She is my wife today. I never probably would have done that if I was an employee, met her at a wedding, and be like, this is never going to work. She's in Pittsburgh and Boston. I just would would have died right there. This summer, unfortunately, her father got very sick and passed away, and we spent two and a half months in Boston in hospital taking care of him and she is a professor at a university. So she had the summer off, but I'm able to work from anywhere and I can adjust my workflow as needed. So I can be fully present for these deep life moments. It blows my mind, Tracy, that most people don't have that option. They are actually penalized for it. People actually have to lose their jobs sometimes or they have to move in with their parents and they don't have that money coming in. They are economically penalized for just being with their family um, and one final thing, not, another, not to have another negative one, but it's kind of a positive. When my grandmother was dying 10 years ago, um, my a friend who was a nurse saying, I told her what was going on. She's like, get on a plane and go there tomorrow. And I was able to see her tomorrow. I didn't have to ask anybody. So I think that's the thing that lights me up so much is that I want to give people that gift that you can live your life in a full way. When you really want to say that family is first, Like I don't just say it, I do it because I can because I've designed a life that I said that I was a priority and I've made it a priority you know it's not just talk with me
1: wow what a what a much healthier way to process grief and life changes to be fully present rather than stuff it down and try to go about our about our uh, traditional work days that's pretty powerful stuff Stephen. and that's
0: and that's the other thing too is I can't tell you how much of this is popping up in my interviews that people have this desire to live a whole integrated life they are tired of the split personality they're tired of their professional selves going off to work and then they come home to be their real selves they want to be themselves all the time and that's what this lifestyle has been given me this is who I am on this podcast, no matter if you're a coaching client or if you're a friend or if you met me at an airport, this is what I'm really like all the time.
1: We've talked about subtraction. We've talked about a little bit about addition. Is there a specific tool, a book or um, a TV show, a program, anything that you would recommend to others, even uh, starting a habit or stopping a habit? Um, to leave with our guests as they move forward with the wealth of information and encouragement that you've provided today?
0: There are, there's just so many. Um, I'm going to bring it back to something that I'm going I'm to meet people where they're at. Uh, because a lot of times people, this is an economic issue for them first. And I'm cool with that. I get it. It's about money. And the first book that I read to start this journey of self-development was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it really changed my mind about money and how I'm going to use my time. And uh, as part of that, I'm often always encouraging. Can I do a shameless plug, Tracy?
1: I wish you would.
0: As part of that, um, I've designed a lifestyle calculator. It's an Excel spreadsheet. I've done all the formulas for you. It's free. You can go to com slash calculator. And you can actually have a snapshot. That's what you need to do. You need to see all of your expenses for your lifestyle right now and then see the expenses of the lifestyle that you think you want to live. And then there's going to be that gap. So that means, well, what are the unproductive expenses in my life right now that are preventing me from living the lifestyle I want? Let's get rid of those. Let's purge. But then we have that addition coming back in and saying, well, what could I be doing on the side or differently at work? Or how can I start changing my work in such a way that I can fill that gap so I can be living my ideal lifestyle.
1: Good stuff, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and your energy and your honesty. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Tracy. This has been an amazing and fun conversation.
1: Goodness. Amazing, fun, enlightening. This interview has given me a lot to think about. Here are three adjustments plus one that I'm already putting into place or committed to putting into place, okay? Number one, I've downloaded Stephen's Lifestyle Calculator. It's a nifty little spreadsheet. A link is in the show notes, so you can download it too. I figured out what I need to earn to live a comfortable life. I'd never quite looked at it this way. Number two, I'm going to be more patient with myself as I design my own business model and build an entrepreneurial identity. And that is a day-to-day, sometimes moment-by-moment decision to change the way that we think about ourselves toward ourselves, right? Number three, I'm going to be a lot more aggressive in trying new ways to bring in revenue through experimentation. I'm also committing right here, right now, to figure out how to share those experiments with our audience via a blog post, perhaps. Once I get the new rebootspodcast.com website launched, this becomes much easier. Okay, so that's the third thing. The fourth thing, the bonus, as it were, is that I'm going to pick a self-limiting attitude or habit, and I'm going to purge myself of it during the next three months. A link to Stephen's purging post is also in the show notes. So what questions or ideas are bouncing around in your head right now? Would you let us know? Stephen and I would love to hear from you. And maybe your life's work is dynamite. So think about, as you probably already have, who in your life is struggling with career issues right now? Because we all know people, right? Would you share this episode with somebody who could benefit And before I let you go, a huge thanks to Zachary Sexton, our guest on Episode 11, for connecting Stephen and me. I'm grateful for that connection. Thanks. Hey, I'm Tracy Winchell, and we're going to see you next time.
0: We'd love to hear your reboot story privately on our StoryWorks blog or as a guest on an upcoming
1: podcast. And we appreciate your feedback, either in the iTunes store or by way
0: of email. Drop us a line reboots at WinchellStoryWorks.com or on our website, WinchellStoryWorks.com.